Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Media Podcast Network. What's up, y'all? We are back. It's your boy Jed Mushu of MMAFighting.com. Great website. And it's another edition of Damn They Were Good. And damn, it is good because today we have the privilege of talking about really the guy for whom this podcast was built. I mean, I say that this podcast is about remembering our favorite, our, the most exciting fighters of all time, and I don't think it gets any better than Robert Glenn Lawler. That's right, the original Bobby Knuckles. He retired at UFC 290, went out on a high note. We're going to talk all about it. Before we do, let me introduce you to the panel this week. Very, very excited, as always, couple of my bosses, frankly, at, at the aforementioned MMAfighting.com, the best damn writer in the game, Shaheen Alshadi, and the best damn reporter in the game, Mr. Stephen Morocco. Fellas, are you as excited about this as I am? Oh, more so. More so. Oh, yeah. I have, oh, I have been yeah. waiting for this podcast my entire life. Jed, I've been waiting we, we... about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> And I am excited for it. <laughs> for those of you at home, we've had some technical difficulties, and now we're back online, but we're good. Steven, pulling back the curtain on, yeah. on the troubles to even get to this point. Yeah. This may or may not have been the fifth time we've tried to record this. Uh, but, you know, we, po- we, we power through for Robert Glenn Lawler. Because ultimately, Jed, we've said this three different times now, but... Bill Simmons and Chris Ryan, they have heat, right? Like that's the, the rewatchables. The heat is the genesis of the rewatchables. It is in essence what the rewatchables is. Robbie Lawler is our heat. He, I cannot wait for the re the re Lawler and then the re re Lawler 50 episodes from now. Like this is just, we've been waiting our whole lives for this podcast. Shane, don't tempt me with a good time. I will absolutely redo a Robbie Lawler podcast in like a month from now. So let's start here because Robbie Lawler retired at UFC 290, goes out on a high, and 
we've already peeled back the curtain once. We'll do it again. I thought about doing this last week, you know, to coincide with his induction into the UFC Hall of Fame. But ultimately, it was like, you know, let's just wait. Got one more fight. Couldn't be happier with that choice because... Great call. The way he went out, I, we would have immediately had to re-lawler it just to talk about it. And so I want to start right there because before we do any of the categories, always like to have kind of a broader topic. Coming fresh off the win over Nico Price, is that the greatest retirement in the history of this sport, guys? Like, feels a, I feel comfortable saying it, even, even knowing that it's a bit of prisoner of the moment. But that feels like one of the best things that could have ever happened. Am, am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. I mean, it is. It is. I, I was afraid to say it the night of UFC 290 for the exact reason that you just said, right? Like we are so often prisoners of the moment. We are so often just hyperbolic when we're coming off nights that feel special, right? Like, And that night felt genuinely special for that reason, but for a lot of reasons. Now that we've had some time, it absolutely is the greatest re- retirement in MMA history. Like you could point to Habib Nurmagomedov or George St. Pierre or whoever, but like that's different, right? Like those, those, that's a different type of thing. That's choosing to walk away. That this is like Robert Robert Glenn Lawler like needed to walk away. He wasn't Habib just calling it quits halfway through. Like this was one of the forced on the way at the door type of retirements, and we've just seen time and time again that those don't ever go even remotely well. Like even if a guy wins, maybe he doesn't look great doing it. I can think of two instances off the top of my head uh, of something like this actually happening. One's Chris Lytle. And Chris Lytle is not Robbie Lawler, and Robbie Lawler is obviously the other one. So to me, this was at this was objectively the most magical, most special, like best send off for an actual faded legend that we've ever seen, and it was awesome. It was amazing. I, I would argue uh, one thing to the contrary on that the the send off opponent. I think if they were trying to send him off in the way that they do a lot of guys that they like less it would have been a matchup that would have been less favorable to him. Like I, I'm of the opinion that Nico price was a perfect, perfect retirement opponent because he w- he is just risk prone enough to roll the dice by throwing down with Robbie Lawler. And we saw how that all turned out. Um, but in addition to that, I would say it's unique just purely for the way they framed it. You know, just the, mm-hmm. have we ever seen a guy get to relive his past in the octagon in a retirement announcement? No. No. Right? No. And That's I think that, that makes I, I it completely a special to me. I, completely I think unique. they did it for Cowboy too, right? Like they, they, they did really? this recently oh, with Donald Cerrone. Okay. I don't but remember that. That was a much more, that was a much more somber. I could be, I could, maybe I'm making that up. I feel like I saw that, but maybe I'm making it up. But like, even still, that was much more somber moment than this like this was uh celebratory like this was just an a not a feeling that i actually have felt before <laughs> for one of these type of moments right like we've just we never get the full coalescence of like oh that was rad what just happened and then oh like this is really cool to be able to relive this yeah 100 i steven i think that that the the further we are away from it the more i I can't believe I'm saying this because I never say it. The more credit you have to give to the UFC because of that, that framing is what made it special, right? Like Robbie could have lost that fight. And if he did this, it wouldn't have hit the same way. But the fact that it all sort of converged in this way and that the UFC 
teed it up to have it be knocked out of the park like this because that, I mean, I, I've said this a million times at this point. When I look back in 10 years, I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to remember Alexander Volkanovsky's dominant performance or, or the tremendous fight of the year candidate uh, that the co-main event was. I'm just going to look back and see the picture by picture of Robbie Lawler watching back his highlights and the wonderful things being said about him and this man breaking like on, on television and just can't, can't fight back the emotion. Robbie Lawler can't fight back the emotion. And I damn sure couldn't either sitting on my couch. <laughs> like That's it got me thing. twice. Both of you cried, right? Both of you cried. Yes. They got I, me I twice. Got close. They got I got, me okay. twice. I got damn close. I got okay. real damn close. The the playback got me, and then uh, and it's the stupidest thing ever. But when he when they hit um, when they they hit Sam and Dave as he's exiting the cage, the hold on, I'm coming. That just that got me again. I was like, oh my god, they they got me twice. It was it was incredible, and I am so happy that we didn't do this last week because we would just be doing. I would be like, all right, guys, we got we got to recap. Mean what an incredible send off that was. Although to counter, maybe we should have done it so then we would have had an opportunity to relaw her so quickly. We relaw her immediately. But uh okay, the other big thing that I I'm gonna save one of them, but the other topic before we get into the categories, because it's your first time here, we talk about all things Robbie Lawler through the lens of categories. But the other broadest question. And maybe it's a bit simplistic, but feels pretty fitting for Robbie Lawler. Is he the most exciting fighter that we've ever seen? He's certainly in the conversation, but gun to your head right now, is Robbie Lawler the most exciting fighter that has ever competed in mixed martial arts? I would say yes. I would say yes, and there's a reason I would say yes. And it's I not, love that. That's a strong, not, confident answer, and I support it. It's not the obvious answer, right? Like there are a lot of fighters throughout history that you can point to as having consistently exciting performances. Vanderlei Silva, Justin Gaethje, Conor McGregor, like who there are you could can you could just keep rattling them off and there's a lot of them. For me, Robbie Lawler is the most exciting fighter of all time for a reason that you said uh very it was a point you made very eloquently on the night of UFC 290, which has stuck with me since and I've thought about it a lot. And, I, and to me, it rings true because there are certainly greater fighters in the history of this of this wonderful sport. But I don't know that there has been a fighter that has been more impactful to my own fandom and my own love of the sport over a longer period of time than Robbie. Because there's, there are others who have done it for shorter periods of time, like right? Like I came up, Anderson Silva was my favorite. Shogun Hua, they were my two favorites. Those were my guys. But their bursts were shorter. It was more contained. Robbie Lawler has been literally in this making memories for me for 24 years. Like he more than anyone else has evoked more motion from me and made me feel more things than anyone in the history of the sport. And the fact that in year 24, he was still doing it and doing it to the degree that he did speaks volumes to, I think, what he means to the sport, the, the legacy that he leaves behind. And absolutely, like that to me is why he is the most exciting fighter of all time is because he didn't do it for like five years or eight years. Dude literally did it for 24 years. Just banger after banger after banger. Unprecedented in any combat sport, really. And like, I don't like when when we were sending him out the week of 290, I wrote 
um, in it's something we did. I think maybe the round table that Robbie Lawler is a true one of one. And this to me, it rings so much truer now than it ever has after we saw what we saw at 290 because he's undoubtedly the most violent competitor. I don't know if that's the same as entertainment entertaining, but he, he has the most violent title. There's a big overlap so, in those two oh, things. Yeah. Certainly. Shoe in on a route Mount Rushmore of most entertaining fighters. I've said this on a bunch of different things, but it's him and Justin Gaethje and then whoever else you want to throw in there. Like those guys will get it. Only man to ever gobble up three fight of the year awards from this website from 2014 to 2016. Consecutively. 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 At the top of the game against top level opponents too. Winner of at least two of the greatest fights of all time. At least two of the greatest fights. And to me also one element to this the owner of one of, if not the single most unexpected yet spectacular second act in UFC history. Because you can point to like a Michael Bisbing or a Glover Teixeira, because those guys will always have like the wildest late career sort of heroics that transforming this legacy that was one thing and then all of a sudden becomes another thing. But to me, Robbie Lawler has just the greatest late career evolution in MMA history because he was at like year 15 or 16 when he actually did all of this and then he just continued doing it for another decade. Like the, the, the more refined technical savage that that man became way after the fact that's at a time when almost all of his peers from Bettendorf, all the Bettendorf boys, the Miltorch boys were done by the time Robbie did this. And then he just like carved the best part of his career out when Jens Pulver and, and was like losing 40 fights in a row and, and Matt Hughes was retired. Like, the, the the timeline of all of this is just blows me away. It doesn't actually make sense. So to go back to your answer, your question, yes, he is the most exciting fighter of all time because he did it because most consistently for the longest of anyone ever. Steven, how do you feel on this? I don't necessarily have an issue with that. I mean, I would definitely say he's top five for me. I don't necessarily have the personal connection that I think maybe puts it over the hump for Sean, but I, I, he's definitely top five. Um, he's done it. If you, <laughs> I was just looking at the video, you know, Every Robbie Lawler finish. It's a long video. There's a lot of footage. This guy has been concussing people for an entire lifetime, you know, and that's a really, really hard to, uh, thing to do in this sport. As Sean said, that the longevity, the 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 amount of times he's been able to do this, uh, employ his best weapons is 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 pretty staggering. And I would argue, yes, that there are some fighters that maybe burned brighter, but it was for a shorter period of time. So I would say, yeah, maybe top three for me and, you know, definitely always in the conversation. Yeah. Sheen, I love that argument because I have sort of uh, operated under the assumption that Justin Gaethje is the most exciting fighter of all time. And I don't think that's wrong if that wants to be your case. But the fact is Robbie's Justin Gaethje just with 10 extra years tacked on. (laughs) On like, yeah. and so I think that that point you make, like, if Justin Gaethje can continue to do this for another decade or half a decade, but Robbie has just been that guy, basically from day one, which is, and he's his career's taken a bunch of evolutions, and we'll get into all of that, but it's really hard for me to to look back at his career and again, your mileage is everybody's mileage and opinion is going to vary. And a lot of that will be, as, as Steven said, a personal connection will, will carry you a long way in that sort of conversation. But I don't think that there's anybody who could ever take issue with you saying Robbie Lawler is the most exciting fighter of all time, which is an incredible achievement <laughs> in a sport where people can take issue with absolutely anything. So, uh, 
Yeah, I am. I'm so excited about this one, even particularly as we got as I started to get into the research and the categories. And we talked about it um, some this week as we've sort of looked through it. And Stephen alluded to it. Deep catalog here, boys. There fun is, research, man. It was, really enjoyed the research on this one. It was incredibly fun. I got to. I went and revisited some fights that I've seen a million times. Went and revisited some fights I haven't seen or thought about in years. Uh, feel like I learned a whole lot of things that I at one point knew, but just a, a wonderful amount of stuff to get into, and uh, some of the most difficult category answers I think we've ever had in the show. Really quickly, let me let me throw out one other thing that I realized in doing the research because you're right. I had some. I'm so glad that you sent me on this in this rabbit hole of Robbie Lawler videos because there's so much wonderful footage over 24 years that I've completely forgotten about. You're right. Like all of this that was deep embedded deep in my brain that I forgot about. I think that this man. All, <coughs> excuse me. I think that this man also holds the title of for a person below 200 pounds. The most men just straight separated from consciousness of all time. Like the most men sent to the land of winds and ghosts under 200 pounds. Because the, the the degree to which his re- resume is littered with pure knockouts, like pure KO punch Violent. rather than TKO punches, there is a lot of them. And they are brutal. And there is so many <clears throat> that I forgot about. Oh yeah. I, I didn't realize how many there were until we started doing it. I was just like, man, this is an endless well of people getting separated from their brains right now. It just keeps going back. Cause you remember all the highlights and the ones that you've seen in the video packages. And look, some of those are still some of the best, but like, I totally forgot the Tiki Ocean KO, which is yes. unbelievable. Like just so many of those things happen. It's, it's pretty insane. Dude, the Frank Trigg one. Like he's lucky Frank Trigg didn't die. I never forget that one because that one pops up on Twitter highlights a lot for pretty good reason (laughs) because that was a pretty scary one. But yeah, uh, just just fantastic. And I'm so excited because the other thing about Robbie too, and we'll get into this, is like just a good dude. Like sometimes you, you go back and you've forgotten when you're going in the Wikipedia dive of like, oh, there's also this like troubling portion of this fighter's history that I kind of just forgot about because I was thinking too much. It's like, no, Robbie Lawler is universally beloved for a reason. Like just who, who doesn't like this man? Who was upset with 290? I don't even think Nico Price and his family were like mad about what happened. Everybody is just universally stoked on it. And that's not a thing that happens in this sport. Yeah, Steven, you made this case. You pointed this out in our Slack room. We were talking about this all week of like 24 years, this guy. Is there a single bad story, story, bad headline, arrest, anything that this, like any point of trouble? Like that's always been the thing with LeBron James, right? Is like the fact that he was able to be so famous so early in his life and not only succeed in like fulfill people's expectations, but also surpass them. But also that while doing that, he kept his nose so clean. Like he did not get into a single ounce of trouble for the most part. And like the biggest thing you can fault him for is like the decision. Like Robbie Lawler kind of has that where like, you can't really point to any part of this guy's life that was like, Oh man, he really like messed up that night. He got arrested that night. Like that type of thing. Really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And believe me, I tried to find some stuff. 
and I couldn't. <laughs> the Reaper was coming. The Reaper did not mm -hmm. succeed. I did my best to ruin this for everyone and just couldn't do it. <laughs> All right, before we hop into the categories, in case somehow you don't know who Robbie Lawler is and this is your first exposure, welcome to the party, guy. You're going to have some fun. A very brief recap of his career. Uh, started in 2001. One month after turning 19, Robbie Lawler is just like, hey, I'm going to start fist fighting dudes. Uh, Jens Pulver gave a story to the MMA Hour last week. Uh, this week, one of those two where he's like, yeah, I remember meeting Robbie. He's just like a 17-year-old kid who had a two-by-four stuck through his windshield, drove up and uh, needed to go fight in a tough man contest to win a, a thousand bucks so he could pay to fix his windshield. And I was like, that's the most Robbie Lawless story I've ever heard. Uh, in terms of origin stories, that's like, incredible. you couldn't write a better one. Yeah, he's like wrestling in high school and like the local high school gym showed up, needed to win a tough man to fix his windshield. <laughs> it's like incredible. Um, shortly after that, he started fighting. Pro debut at 19 in 2001, USC debut a year later. Up and down, kind of bounced around, uh, moved to Elite XC, won the middleweight title there in 2007, then went to Strike Force for returning to the UFC in 2013. Uh, capper of his career. Beats Johnny Hendricks to claim the UFC welterweight title. Defends it a few times. Loses it at UFC 201. We'll talk about that as, as the first event I ever went to. Uh, and then, then there's the end stretch of his career, ultimately culminating in the 290 win. All told, Robbie Lawler finished his career 30-16 and 16 with one no contest. He won five Fight of the Night awards, one KO of the night. Three of those Fight of the Night awards were Fight of the Years uh, in 2014, 15, and 16. Uh, he was inducted to the Hall of Fame uh, last week, basically, in the fight wing, though I think we can all acknowledge Robbie Lawler will probably be a two- or three-time inductee because he will certainly go in on his own merits, and there's at least one more fight that's going to make it into the Hall one day. That's the rundown. Now we get to the fun stuff. We get into the awards, and we start, as always, the Mount Rushmore. You got four fights, and we talked about this off air. Listeners, we're we're sticking to four, but I will tell you, I very strongly considered making a, a Robbie Lawler rule where we did two Mount Rushmores, one for knockouts and one for fights, because three of the fights seem to be taken up. When you have three fight of the years, they probably all go on the Mount Rushmore. Only guy in history who's going to have this particular problem, but <laughs> that's how it goes sometimes. So probably, unless somebody has taken a really aggressive stance, which frankly I would support, probably we're going to have three of the same, and then the question will be for the fourth. But we're going to talk about a lot because I think there are a million viable honorable mentions. But let's start at the top. Let's start with... A fight we have talked about at length on this program before because we always already did the, did this show for the other man in this fight. My pick for the best fight of all time, it's Carlos Condit, UFC 195. That is the first fight up on my Mount Rushmore. I am assuming it is on both of yours. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's a top five fight all time. I don't have it as the GOAT fight like you do, but it's top five easily. And no. the photo of them afterwards hanging on the cage is iconic. It's the best thing ever. If you don't have that fight, you're insane. Uh, and so I assumed it. I will say, uh, love this program for many reasons. Getting to go back and watch that fight yet again was just the best. And 
I because the last time we did this was obviously from Carlos Condit's point of view, and I think when I went back and rewatched that fight, there was a little bit of a Condit bend to it. I have always sort of thought Condit won that fight. I'm actually now sort of of the opinion that maybe Condit won it, or maybe it just should have been a draw. It's really tough for me to to judge the fifth round because it's so chaotic. Uh, but certainly looking at it this time from a Robbie Lawler point of view, as I sort of came into it with, just an all-time unbelievable performance from Robbie Lawler down the stretch there. And I I don't think – I want to have this conversation now because I don't think it gets enough credit for reasons that I understand. It is so trite and somewhat simplistic and stupid to say that like a fighter ever wants it more than another fighter – because they all want it. They all want it to a level that I can't even really fathom. But if you watch that fifth round, it is, and, and to a lesser extent on another fight, which I'm sure we'll talk about, the Roy McDonald rematch, Robbie Lawler goes into the fifth round and he just wants it. He wills himself to a victory there in a way that, again, I'm not sure he even should have gotten it, but you cannot say that he didn't, he didn't do everything in his physical power to win that fight in the fifth round against Carlos Condit. Carlos just didn't break, and it made for the most electric 90 seconds of fist fighting I've still ever seen to this day. That last 90 seconds is like I wrote down in my notes. Y'all remember when Max Holloway pointed to the K like floor and was like, Ricardo Lamas, fight me for 10 seconds, and he did, and everyone lost their mind? Robbie and Carlos did that for a full minute and a half at the end of that fight, and it was insane. So I can just never say enough good things about this fight. It's the best thing I've ever seen. Well, yeah, no agree, no disagreement <laughs> from us. I guess I mean the, the real debate, like you said, is what 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 other fights are we choosing other than those? Well, I, I have two. Like I, I'm not sure what the third one is. I mean, because we all know what the other one is, right? You know. The other one is the Roy McDonald UFC yes. 189, which is also number two on my Mount Rushmore. It's the Rushmore. goat fight. Right. It's the goat okay. fight. And that's Shaheen's pick for goat fight. Steven, where do you come down on the Condit versus McDonald Lawler fight order? Because there's two very clear camps in that. And they're uh, honestly, it's the best because those camps aren't like, this fight's better. It's this fight is the best fight of all time. No, this fight is the best fight <laughs> of all time. Uh, Rory stuck, the, the Rory fight stuck with me more. Just mm. there was more, more, and it was, you know, it didn't have anything to do with fighting. It had everything to do with that between the round interaction. Like the not the Im- fighting. The part. imagery is so much better in that fight. A thousand percent. That's right. The, 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 the 10 seconds of not in fighting makes that fight, puts that fight over the top for me, makes it iconic. Yeah. You know, I, don't... I guess you could say about, you know, Muhammad Ali's, you know, like when some of his, you know, like standing over Sonny Liston. You know, that kind of icon, uh, iconic moment doesn't have anything to do with fighting Dude. necessarily, not actually physically exchanging punches. It's the emotion that comes with it. And the uh, aesthetics, right? The aesthetics the aesthetic. of the lip just looking like Robbie Lawler is straight out of a horror movie. And the the stare down mid round or end round stare down and just all of it. Just like seeing a guy like Rory pushed to that place to where he actually just kind of had to give up. And like, no one is crapping on him for like, no one's saying like, oh, Rory, you're a quitter. It's like, no, like you gave up at a point when 99.9% of humanity would have already given up like a while ago. Like I just, the aesthetics, 
of that fight and sort of how Rory, like there's always that image, right? That famous image, that iconic image of Rory they're just sort of looking dead in between rounds the when the round's about there? to start. The yeah. aerial has a bobblehead of that is like eerily, eerily good. good. It's really like good. It's super, super accurate. He just looks like an actual zombie. It's, uh, as I went back and watched that fight, um, I will say I had the two real thoughts. It was like, one, I first was like, why are people think this fight's so good? And rewatch is like, it's not that good because the first two rounds, it's certainly a slow burn. Super slow burn. Super and, slow burn. And then the third round kicks off. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is why people love this fight. This fight actually does rule. I forgot that this whole thing starts to unfold as as Rory kicks him in the head and Robbie's in the world of hurt. And then, yeah, I, I do think that the big argument between the two fights, because I still believe that the Condit McDonald fight, I think Condit is a, is just a better, more fun overall fight. Uh, I have, it, it's impossible to argue that the imagery of the McDonald fight is just better. Like it's it, those are images that will last for as long as this sport does. Uh, Robbie in the corner, a lot of love for the Robbie stare down. Totally get it. Absolutely. I love Robbie in the corner talking to his team when he is destroyed. And it's just like, I feel fucking great. <laughs> so my, like, I feel fucking great. And I'm like, oh my God, he's going to go kill it. You see Rory with the thousand yard death stare. Robbie's like, let's go. This is me. Robbie's in his element, man. Like that's who yeah. he was born to be in born a different this, yeah. lifetime. Robbie is on an ins- he's wearing an insane suit of armor on a battlefield in like the year 800 just being the scourge of the world just piles and you're of bodies terrified of this man swinging a battle axe at you like that that's who this man is like and he was in his element also let us not forget the fact that like these two fights that we're arguing about as the greatest fights of all time happened literally 7 months within each other insane. by the same human being what the fuck does that even mean? That doesn't make sense to me. Like six months prior to the fucking Rory one, he also fought Johnny Hendricks for the fight of the year too. So it's all insane. Um, yeah, I I definitely came from this with even more of an appreciation for the Rory fight. Uh, and because I'll just, he he broke Rory. And that's like, that is the other really like big. Like kind of forever. For, I yeah. mean, absolutely forever. And like, as in a very, very basic level, as I was rewatching these two fights and comparing them, I was like, sort of the, the difference here is that Robbie broke Rory and that is, is a better narrative. And it's a, it's a cooler thing. Like undeniably it is cooler to watch Robbie break this man and Condit just could not be broken. And so he ended up, they broke each other for the rest of their careers basically, but it's, yeah, uh, it is an embarrassment of riches to have both of these fights in your resume. It's like, yeah, I did that twice. Just insane. And I don't, I don't want to bring the mood down, but just like one sad note to that fight that I consider the greatest fight of all time. You know how much money Rory McDonald made for that fight? Like two hundred. Not enough. Less than sixty k. Really? Wow! Well, I didn't hopefully, know you got a backroom bonus. Hopefully, Hopefully he got, got a little something extra on the top. His payout for that fight, when Vegas still recorded payouts, was fifty nine thousand dollars. That is, yeah. I would have thought more uh, for Rory. That's less than Sage Northcutt made in like his sec his third <laughs> UFC fight. Man, that's insane. 
That is tough. I'm, I also, no. another thing that struck me, and I, I guess I knew at the time, but it didn't, I just feel like Rory's older than he is because he's only 33 now and his career's over. He's retired and f- felt like his career is over for a while. It just didn't register with me until I'm rewatching it. And they're like, he's 25. I'm like, wow. He's a kid, man. He's a child. He's a kid. <laughs> that is insane. He was GSP's um, protege for a long time. Yeah. I just, in my head, he feels much older than he is, but that's not, it's just, this is very odd. So one and two, those are going to be on any human being who knows any single thing about Robbie Lawler. Those two are going to be there. I added the Johnny Hendricks fight. This one, the the rematch at UFC 181, this one is the one I would be the most willing uh, thus far to remove from Mount Rushmore. I don't think I ultimately can because uh, when we talk about the fight, because I think the fight – it's actually, it is very good. I'm not sure it should have been the fight of the year that year. But everything else about this fight, Shaheen, at the at the top of the hour, at the top of the intro, you said something that I think is really true. Um, and it's that Robbie Lawler's sort of second career arc is incredible. And this is the fight that if we didn't have the Nico Price ending, right? Like if that never happened for whatever reason, this is still one of the best feel-good moments in MMA. Robbie Lawler... 12 years after the fact, sort of delivering on the promise that you think in this spectacular spirited way, beating a guy who already beat him. I know the fight's very contentious, but that coronation was such a moment that even if I don't think that this is, this is a very clearly several tiers below the two top ones and it's still a fight of the fucking year. (laughs) It's like, this still means too much to his career. And it is a damn good fight. I rewatched it again this morning. It still holds up as a really good fight. It's just not as good as two other fights this man had, which is insane. So do y'all have this one added in yours as well? Or did someone take the bold stance of going no on the Hendrix one? Well, which there's two of them. So are we uh, the, re- two the rematch is the one I have. Uh, so I, I don't have either of them and I hate to do this to you midstream, but that was actually not the one that won fight of the year for us. The one that won fight of the year oh, was, the was the first, first fight. One? Oh, it was the first fight. Cause that was the better fight actually. So that was the better fight. I didn't realize that that was the one that won yeah. a thing. It's definitely a better fight. So, Ooh, interesting. Yeah. That's well, the one I have. Mm, okay. I don't oh, have, so you have, have so you, Steven, you have that on your Rushmore. And it's because of personal connection. It's because I was there cage side for it. Mm, and okay. um, I have <laughs> I have never experienced that kind of level of violence as an intimate spectator. Like, as you guys know, I've been obsessing about judging, MMA judging for a long time. And, you know, people talk about how the, uh, you know, they, they complain about judges scores. You know, how could they have seen this? How could they have scored it this way? And it is so critical that they are close to the action. Having that intimate connection with 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 the impact of these things has a huge. It plays a huge factor in the ultimate um, outcome. So, being that close to that level of violence, it physically affected me in a way that a fight has never affected me before. I was thinking about this earlier, and there was one other fight that kind of came close to it. Um, a fight that, um, you know, nobody would probably remember, but Sam Stout, I think it was Sam Stout versus Paul Taylor. Like, I just remember the, the, the velocity 
of the violence, like how fast and how often they were hitting each other. This one completely kicked that out of the water. Like these guys were hitting each other full force at this incredible clip for five rounds. And I was just, it was shocking the level of violence that, uh, that I was party to. And so that's, to me, it's that personal connection that kind of puts it up there in the top four. I mean, yeah, this is, this is, I, I'm glad that you informed me of this, Shaheen, because I just assumed in my head or whatever that it was the two, 181. Um, also insane to think that he fought, that Robbie Lawler fought four times in 2014, um, including, <laughs> including twice with Johnny Hendricks in extremely fun and very even <laughs> matchups. It's definitely the better fight. Um, Sheen, is this on your list? So this one's not on my list either. Um, uh, neither of the Hendricks ones are on my list. And the fact that you can ha- be in a fight of the year that's a championship fight and not make the my Mount Rushmore speaks volumes to who this human being is because there's no one else in the sports history that probably would be able to pull that off. Uh, Steven, I, like you, was cage side for this fight, and I well, that's will fun. never forget it. You are right. The Seeing live fights is, is a different experience than watching it on the tv that's no break not breaking any news there anybody who has been to a live fight will tell you that even like a pro like even like an amateur event or like a rage in the cage or just you know like a low like a local show like seeing the what this actually does to human beings and the violence up close the car crash nature of it like you said the velocity of it the sound of some of the punches things like that it is a very visceral experience that is so far removed from what you're seeing off your computer screen or your tv screen up to that point in my life, I had never seen violence quite like the first Lawler Hendricks fight up close. And it was a real eye opener of like this. Okay. Like this is what this is. I kind of knew this, what this is, but now I have a better, deeper understanding of what this is. Uh, and so, yeah, that I will never forget that. But somehow that did not make my list because there's just too much. There's like the wealth of so options much. is just too extravagant that it's just like, I got to leave something off. Cause I want it. Cause for me, maybe I'm the only one. Nico price has to be on this. Like Nico price has to be on this Mount Rushmore because it's the greatest retirement of all time. It Nico, has to be on this. Nico price rounds went out. I do want to say one last thing about the UFC 171 thing, just cause it feels relatively important. Uh, at the time, had the most significant strikes landed in a welterweight title fight. And that it fight, felt like the fight it. of the year. Yeah, the most sig- and and all of them were hard. Like yes. all of them were extremely. The difference in Max Holloway numbers, sure, but like we're talking something close to what Max Holloway does. Only it's Johnny Hendricks and Robbie freaking Lawler doing it. So absolutely. Bro. Absolutely insane. Um, people people meme all over Johnny Hendricks, but there was like a window there where he was terrifying. Dude, and this as, was I re- as I rewatched these two fights, one of my dominant thoughts was, how the hell did he just fall off? Like, just... Well, I can give you some answers on that one. I mean, <laughs> look, there are some arguments, but that's not the conversation we're here to have. But you're just, I'm just sitting there watching like... This dude is very good at this. And he was he awesome. Stops being good almost overnight. He was uh, so fun. He was incredibly fun fighter for like three years. Particularly because I love, I love the like not rocked up physique, just like almost a dad bod, not quite, but just like just a regular dude out there who's kicking the shit out of Robbie Lawler for big long stretches. It's awesome. Uh, but yes, Shaheen, rounding out my Rushmore is exactly what you said. 
I battled with this one for some time and I ultimately did settle on Nico price. Uh, and then I put everything else basically in a future category to talk about, but I went for the Nico price because it's the best retirement ever. It's hard to imagine a better way for him to exit the sport. Uh, that's realistic. And it's, it is one that I know for sure. I will go back to time and time again in the future years. I'll just be like, I need a pretty easy to watch. Yeah, pretty easy I mean, to watch. I mean, pick me up. Let me let me just carve out thirty eight seconds of my day, and I'll I'll lift my mood. And so I did round it out with Nico Price. Uh, Shaheen, you have it on there. Steven, did you put Nico Price on there, or, or I did? I sort of didn't assume you would. So you've got Condit and McDonald, and you've got Hendricks one. What rounds out your Mount Rushmore? So if if the assignment is to show a a loved one or a friend four fights that encapsulate Robbie Lawler to me just personally I don't know why but the it's the uh, Melvin Manhoff assassination oh Um, yes and it's because he was hurt he was you know Robbie was really hurt that fight was really not going his way for about two seconds and the way he just ducks clocks him with the right and and deads him with the left like just out cold. It's just and out of nowhere too. Out like, of nowhere. They were like writing it, his obituary. Yeah, <laughs> and then boom. It's the and most perfect Robbie right Lawler. hand anyone has ever thrown. Yeah, and that's Robbie Lawler to me. You are you can't ever count this guy out. He's gonna hurt you. Like he is always dangerous. I mean, I have absolutely no issue. <laughs> with that one whatsoever uh, i have it down in a separate category but yeah um if you're just looking at ko's too that's as good as it gets so that was my i'm looking at my list it was my second runner-up i have one more runner-up in front of that but shaheen i think we need one more from you yeah yeah so the i don't know the way i look at rushmore is like i feel like i need to be able to tell an athlete's story of their career somewhat through these four fights, at least like a little bit, like maybe not the whole way, but it needs to be like all encompassing. And for a Mount Rushmore to just kind of start at year 15 feels weird <laughs> a little bit. So it's like, I felt it's like I needed, I felt like I needed some sort of like early career representation. Um, and so like you, you, you said you told the audience even that you know you consider doing like a, a knockouts Mount Rushmore and then like a it would have been Mount incredibly Rushmore. easy to do four fights and four knockouts for him we could have pulled would that not off have been, easy would not have been hard whatsoever this would have been a five-hour podcast but we could have pulled it <laughs> still off. might be uh, <laughs> let's not rule it out uh but so I just felt I felt like I needed something early and so I was looking through you know the early catalog early catalog reminding myself of all these great highlights the one I settled on the most was i believe it was his third ufc fight yes it was his third ufc fight it's tiki gosen it's tiki gosen (laughs) who this was the real breakout moment because up to this point robbie lawler is an intrigue he's dangerous he's fun but we didn't really know is he like for real is he like about to be just someone special and i had forgotten the lead up to this fight and sort of the circumstances around this fight and if you've never if you've never seen this and you're listening to this Go go YouTube this real quick because there I found a YouTube of the pre-fight <laughs> interviews package that kind of was attached to this and it was just it's really tremendous watching. Essentially, Tiki, veteran of the game, uh, he ends up being around the sport for a long time. He's still around the sport in a managerial capacity. He's talking trash 
throughout the lead up to this fight. He calls young Bob Lawler, young Robert Glenn, uh, who's probably like 19, 20 years old at that point, 21 maybe. He's going on about how he's overrated, this and that. He's he's going to show this young kid all this, you know, what's really up. And then the fight lasts what? I don't even... A, it's a minute, minute and 20. 29 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> a minute 29. Robbie Lawler nearly beheads this man uh, and also nearly punches a hole through the canvas after the man is beheaded by just trying to hit him with these follow-up shots. And then afterwards, Tiki is so knocked out. Um, and also he, he has like a he has like an axe wound of a yeah. cut on his face from this from, from what happened. And afterwards, whoever the interviewer is, I forget who it is, asks him uh if he takes the trash talk back, if he sort of learned his lesson against Robbie Lawler. And in the cage, bleeding profusely, tremendously knocked out. This man would not be interviewed now if this happened today. Tiki says, oh, no, he didn't learn it. He doesn't take anything back. He just lost because of the cut. Yeah. They stopped which, because of the cut. <laughs> to which incredible. young Robbie Lawler is still on screen, and he's, he has the best shit-eating smirk ever after that comment. And the whole thing is just the best theater, and I swear, you should, if you've not seen this, or even if you have and you haven't seen it in a long time, go on YouTube and find this because it's the best. It's at the absolute feel- best. This was my early career for Robbie Lawler representation. And I feel like we definitely need to, you know, throw in an honorable mention to Nelson Hamilton's stoppage in this fight, <laughs> which he when you look at man from dying, it's an well, early stoppage. At, it was just a cut, guys. Well, when you look at referee mechanics, like how you're supposed to stop a fight and how Nelson did stop that fight, it's pretty much an example of what not to do. Not the to guy do. ended up the guy ends up doing a somersault. <laughs> over the the two of them and he has the most oh my god it was it was and he just wears the most hilarious expression on his face and he and everything turned out okay but the decision to go in there like the way he did was so ill-advised and could have gotten himself killed in the process it was incredibly brave because for real watch the replay of that robbie lawler is trying to punch into the center of the earth he's trying to hit the satan himself in hell with these punches that he's landing on the canvas like i don't know how he didn't break his hand from this like it was it's a bad one i love this pick it was my first runner up uh in in awards because for all the reasons you said uh i want to throw a shout out to steve Berger, the steve Berger ko Less because this is one of his better KOs. I don't think it is, um, which still a perfectly fine one. But forgot this until we did the research. This is the first MMA fight to air on US cable TV. Best damn sports show, period. Uh, UFC 37 and a half. They did the, we're going to put one fight on it, whatever the best fight from this card is. And it was this one. And so ent- I entirely forgot that Robbie Lawler is actually one half of the first fight ever on U.S. cable television, which feels fitting. I'm glad that it was Robbie and not like some random Jamoke in the UFC 37 days. So still to doing it, out. UFC 290. Jesus. Still doing it, still doing it forever ago. On that that graphic on uh, on the UFC 290 thing about like fighters who made their UFC debuts and what they did it, and it Robbie is the second oldest one, the only person who has been in the UFC longer, my boy. Andre Arlovsky and the next closest person now that Robbie is gone is Jim freaking Miller, who was like six years later than Arlovsky and Lawler. So it is 
did it forever. Uh, do y'all have any more shout outs for the Mount Rushmore? Any honorable mentions before we move on to the next category? Yeah, I mean, how how many how much time do we got? Because well, like, you can okay. also put them in the Randallplex Award, which is coming up, and that's where I, I tucked a lot of other fights in the Randallplex Award one as well because there's just so much. But I'm, I'm any just going to fight specific, not highlight specific that you feel merits discussion. Now is the time. I, I, I'm just going to rival these off fast. I've said it: the Frank Trig KO, uh, probably the closest anybody's come to actually killing a human being, with, like in like a real major way uh, in a, in a while. Uh, that one is ridiculous. Three punches before Frank Trigg hits the ground, it, it, followed by that obscene uppercut that that sort of ends it. Uh, like that's like actually should have been illegal, like in life. Like Robbie Lawler should have gone to jail for that. That, that was insane. Uh, the Melvin Manhoof comeback. Tremendous. Everything's already been said on that one. Josh Koscheck KO kind of slept on, uh, but that was absolutely savage. And that was also like an eye opener of like, oh, Robbie Lawler still got a little bit left in him. Josh Koscheck was still a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he nearly murdered poor Ninja Hua in a fight oh, that yeah. will be forever forgotten. But like, that's real brutal. Elite XC title fight, baby. Yeah, man. Um, also, Matt Lindland, out cold and Scott Smith. Just like a relentless assault really that ends with soccer kicks to the body as Robbie Lawler's just like basically like pulling a, a, a what they do in office space when they're beating the fax machine up. And that yeah. one guy just like started to be able to get all this out. He's just so excited to be able to get it all out and he keeps going back for more. That's kind of like what Robbie Lawler's doing to poor Scott Smith's body at that point. So, I mean, there, I, there's a billion more, but those were my runner ups. I'm throwing a shout to the first Rory fight, uh, UFC 167. The fight itself isn't like super memorable, but I just remember it very well because that was when I thought that the the fun resurgence was dead. Robbie comes back and you don't think he's going to beat Josh Koscheck, and then he does. And you're like, okay. And then Bobby Volker is, even at the time, wasn't like the best win or whatever. But like, oh, this is kind of a fun little story, Robbie's return. And then they match him up with Rory, who... As Steven said earlier, he's GSP's protege. He's the guy who's supposed to take the mantle at welterweight. And you're like, well, this is going to be the end of of this fun little bit of resurgence from Robbie. And then he sort of grits it out, guts out a win. And you're like, oh, I'm not entirely sure he deserved to win that, but that was awesome. And now he gets to fight for a title. What an uplifting thing. So shouts to the original Rory fight. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. And we can move on to the next award. This was, of the many fights that there is difficult to, to answer an award, the I'm not impressed by your performance award is not a hard one for me. This is for... The low point, uh, the 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 saddest moment of the career, and for me, I went UFC 201. I went the Tyron Woodley knockout. Uh, as Steven said in an earlier uh, earlier one of these, I have a personal connection. This is the first fight I ever went to, the first UFC event I ever went to, because first event I ever covered for MMAfighting.com, great website. Um, 
you weren't there, Shaheen. We went to two thirty something together. No, uh, we were me, at the Izzy yeah. Gastelum. Yeah, Izzy too. Gastelum. Yeah, uh, this was me and Ariel were there. Uh, it happened in Atlanta, and the the crowd was silent. You could hear a freaking pin drop when when Woodley just ices him, and you know that it's a possibility. But this has been such a fun run from Robbie and. Uh, the talk about you know them training together and what this would happen and you're expecting at least Robbie to this is selfish to say you're expecting another fight of the year contender because that's all he's been doing for the last three years and then it ends so abruptly so violently and such a fitting and yet depressing way for this this sort of run in this section of his career to kind of come come to an end but uh Sitting there cage side, it was a huge bummer for me. Even as I was still like stoked because everything else was pretty cool, uh, that was that runaway winner for me here. Absolutely. I mean, to me, that was that was the easy pick, and also it was kind oh, of really? like same pick. Yeah, yeah. I, for oh. me, at least, because it was a, such a bummer. It was it, it, again, we had been on such a historic run, and then like the welterweight division. I, I mean, I like Tyron Woodley as a person. But like the Tyrone Woodley era was not a memorable era for the welterweight division to go from GSP to Hendricks to Lawler to then a few fights removed from, from Woodley Lawler where we're getting the Steven Thompson rematch, which is one of the worst fights of all time. And then Damian Maya, which is one of the worst fights of all time. It's just like it, was a, it sent the division into a real malaise that it took a while to recover from. So this was my pick as well. Um, I have another fight with a, with a personal connection, the Lorenz Larkin decision loss at Strike Force Portland. And the, the okay. personal connection there is that it was probably the most depressing MMA event I ever went to. It was the <laughs> uh, last. Um, wow, that is a bold one, statement. Okay. It was one of the last under the Zufa, Zufa Force uh, mm-hmm. era. It was after they'd purchased them. And um, apparently it put all the fighters in a really shitty hotel, um, did no promotion for the fight, and nobody knew about it except for the hardcores on the internet. And if you're going to be Robbie Lawler and you're fighting a guy like like Lorenz Larkin, you shouldn't get grinded out by Lorenz Larkin. (laughs) Um, So he lost a decision. Robbie Lawler, the the ex-champ of... uh, uh, Elite XC gets just grinded out by Lorenz Larkin. And um, that's the thing that complicates all of this for me because um, there was a time at which Robbie Lawler was very much a middle-of-the-road fighter. Oh, yeah, uh, for very sure. Much, he looked cut. Right. And so when we're talking about I'm not impressed by your performance. There are several performances that I was not impressed by that I don't think anybody was impressed by because it, for a long time, it appeared like Robbie didn't really, he wasn't really enjoying it as much as he, as he used to. And everybody knew how to fight him, which was to take him down. Um, Or kick him in the legs a whole bunch too. Or kick him in the legs a whole bunch. Right. So, he was a very beatable fighter for a long time. The fact that he had this amazing resurgence is spectacular in so many ways. But there were several things. I mean, he fumbled the bag, so to speak, several times. You know, 
I think he fought Jake for the Jake Shields for the title. That was supposed to be a big fight for him. Um, no, that wasn't Jake for the Shields title. Was that was that was his title. that was his first post uh, Elite XC uh, fight. Um, yeah. Was a main event. Was a main event. He, he's he's stumbled several times and looked very very beatable. And the two that I just mentioned are are the two that kind of come to my mind. Yeah, no, I so I think you're a thousand percent correct. That's why I said like, I think there are plenty of choices for the not impressed uh, on this one with Robbie, which is different than a lot of other ones, right? Because I think as you pointed out, Stephen, he had a big middle section of his career. Basically, his entire run at middleweight is it it's alternates between being incredibly dope and just awful. Um, there's not like a lot of middle of the road. That's a fine fight. It's like he lost in a boring, terrible way, or he ethered somebody in a really violent way. And that's sort of his middleweight run. And we haven't, honestly, we haven't really seen that a lot in this because normally it's like a very clear, oh, here's where the decline starts. And then do you want to pick this as the, as the worst moment or five steps later down the decline? And I just went with with the one that I have the personal connection to. But also well, fun so, fact. Well, so that's the thing too, right? Is is because I have the strike for the entire strike force run was my pick for a different category later mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Because that the delineation you can make between like like the, the, the fight after Larkin was his UFC re-entry against Koscheck. Like and that was not that was what like less than a year later. That was like eight months later. Like whatever happened in Strike Force, man was just so bad. It, it, it was Robbie Lawler looks like he was done just in the same way that Jens Pulver was done at that point in his career, just in the way that Tim Sylvia was done in that point in his career, just in the way that all of the guys that he came up with, all the guys from that era were kind of done by then. And that was the stories being written about him. I remember speaking to Lorenz before that fight uh, as a young reporter and Lorenz just being like, yeah, Robbie's cooked, man. Like, yeah, I'm going to win this just because that, like, that guy's a legend, but he's done. And it's just like the fact that I love that. That guy's a legend literally a decade ago before the best run of his career is about to go. If Robbie retires after that fight, none of your Mount Rushmore happen. Like none of them. And that's the crazy part to me about all of this. Like we talk about Bisbing and whoever, but like the, what Robbie did after the, this hellacious strike force run, because all of it was bad. All of the strike force run was bad. For the most part, like there's maybe one or two good ones there. No, it, it uh, defies belief. Of there's nothing realistically. So yeah. Also, fun fact: I just pulled up this Strike Force uh, card. I mean, the Amagov fight was good too. The knockout. Sure. This Strike Force card, as I'm looking at it, Strike Force Rockhold v Kennedy. This may be one of the biggest deltas between talent versus entertainment that I can, because there are a lot of people who certainly at the time were relevant. Your main event, Luke Rockhold, Tim Kennedy, Nate Marquardt kills Tyron Woodley. Uh, Ultimate second combo finish, that Marquardt finish. Forgotten to history, but tremendous. Incredible. Hodger Gracie, Keith Jardine were relevant fighters, even though that was not a fun fight. Larkin Lawler is an awful fight to watch. Pat Healy, Mizuto Hirota, just a lot of bad fights. Jorge Masvidal on this card? Man, what a... That would be a very depressing event to go to, go to Steve. It was, I saw, I went back, I was at the press conference and I walked the wrong way. So I didn't walk into the press area, but I walked into the hallway outside the press conference area. And I see Scott with a, a page of paper, like rehearsing his lines that he's supposed to say for the, for the press conference. And it just, 
th- this whole experience and you go there and they hand me the mic and they didn't, nobody was asking questions. I asked almost all the questions because nobody was there and nobody was asking questions. It was just so like, it was so deflating. It was such a, a sign of the times, you know, that basically Scott's an employee now. He's no longer running his own show. And they're putting next to zero energy into this thing. It was just very, very depressing. And I wrote about it. And then nobody talked to me for the rest of the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, good good way to finish. Next award, next category, the Who the Fuck is That Guy Award. This is for the weirdest, most surprising opponent that Robbie Lawler faced in his entire career. This is a category Shaheen has historically done exceedingly well at. I have uh, four nominees. None of them are that interesting um, as like super weird guys, but just their various circumstances surrounding them that made me pick them out. Um, I don't actually know which of these I want to go with. So Shaheen, since this is your category, let's start with you. Who the fuck is that guy for you? I feel like I'm disappointing the audience in this one because this is a weird one. Robbie kind of fought everyone he should have fought. Like there is not a lot here that's kind of like weird detours and side streets, even in these weird, weirder promotions that he fought in. And it was like, yeah, okay. Like I could see why Robbie is fighting that man. So I don't know. I, I honestly, I didn't have much. I mean, I came up with Aaron Riley, who to me is just the fact that Robbie Lawler's UFC debut came against the five foot nine lightweight is just kind of a sign of the times and bizarre to me in retrospect. It's, but very, I got, it's very much a sign of how that yeah. used to go. But I got nothing. This is Robbie fought exactly who he should have fought for most of his career, and it kind of it kind of jives with what you'd expect. No, I think that's really it's true in large part, which is why all of my nominees are for something else, and we'll get into them. But Stephen, you got anything here? Yeah, I mean, I I chose to make the interpretation the strangest moment of the career as opposed to who who the fuck. It's is a that great guy. great interpretation. I love that, and, and I think it, it's the one that works for Robbie because you know for me the one that jumped out right away was uh, the Nick Diaz rematch because mm, okay. to me um, that fight should have never happened. Nick Diaz never should have been sanctioned to fight again. Um, he was an absolute shell of himself. Nobody really, really needed to see this fight. It was so many years after it's uh, usable shelf life. And it was, this is not really Robbie's fault. Robbie is the guy who, you know, takes the fights. He's going to fight anybody. But um, it was just so strange and so unnecessary and, you know, could be not by impressed, not impressed by your performance for a different reason, just because it was just so, so sad and so depressing, at least to me, because that first fight was pretty iconic. It's kind of a part of early MMA, Internet lore, underground kind of era to me. And to see that like so many years later, when one guy is clearly compromised and shouldn't even be in the in, in the cage was the 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 WTF moment for me. I think that's a really good one. And I'm glad you brought it up because otherwise I would not have talked about that fight because it's just a sad one. And and I don't want to talk about the sad things, but Well you never have to, you know, be disappointed. You know, that's what I'm here for, but I know you're gonna you're gonna level us right back <laughs> off. And that is an important thing to have in these celebratory pods. So I got four of them for you, and I'll start with the one that I think I would ultimately choose. Uh, and you you sort of mentioned him earlier, but as I think back, if you're just asking me to like, that's how I largely kind of look at this one. Hey, who did Robbie Lawler fight? Uh, Adlan Amagov is the one that jumps out to me as like, 
who, why, what the hell was this about? Even though you go back and you see that it sort of makes sense, but um, for where he was at the time, but Himagov uh, was awesome. Yeah, he I mean, was. He, awesome. was a, he was. He should have been a real dude, and then it just never happened. Well, it didn't happen because he like became a gangster in Russia. Yeah, which is yeah, also okay. the super weird part yeah. of him fighting him now is like Amagov just sort of stopped fighting to go be a Russian gangster to go kill people. So yeah. like when I say he's awesome, I mean within no, the yeah, context awesome as a fighter of at the time, him he fight, was yes. very fun. Yes, I get what you're saying. You're not making a, a statement about the man's personality, but it's super weird to be like, why did he fight this dude? Oh, this guy's record is good. What happened? Oh, he. Stabbed a 19-year-old in the chest and is accused of murder in Russia. But, like, that's pretty tough. Um, very odd and a very weird one. The other ones I have, quick shout-out to Jeremy Brown. Um, notable because he's the only man Robbie Lawler ever submitted in his whole career. I couldn't find video of this on the internet, but I would love to watch Robbie Lawler armbar this man. If somebody has the video, please tag me because I just got to see what that looks like. The only, the only submission of Lawler's career in King of the Cage. The other two I have. The first one, Marco Macera. So you might ask you ask me, why do you care about Marco Macera? Extreme Challenge 41, third fight of his career. Has nothing to do with his opponent. This fight is up on YouTube, and I would strongly encourage anyone to go watch it. Uh, it's not a great fight, but Robbie Lawler is rocking some frosted tips, and it is it is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Cause it's not like actual frosted tips. It almost looks like Josh Koscheck's hair when it was like really bad frosted only it's 19 year old Robbie Lawler and it's hilarious. And then the fight gets stopped sort of just because Macera <laughs> keeps butt scooting. Cause he doesn't want to fist fight Robbie shit. Lawler. Oh, did you just get pulled up? Oh and my isn't God. It the best? What the fuck? I after seeing that I was like I have to go through and see like did he have this and I just don't remember it in his early UFC career and it just appeared to be for this fight frosted Robbie Lawler is a sight to behold you could not have more frosted tips like those are the most frosted tips that have ever been frosted that is <laughs> it's really incredible uh right so I just wanted to bring that up in case nobody knew that that was 19 year old Robert Lawler was was feeling that style and the last one I have uh, is Pete Spratt. And it's not for Pete Spratt. It's just because this fight is insane if you go back and watch it because they let Phil Baroni um, be the color commentator with Joe Rogan. There's no Goldie, no. It's Rogan is the play-by-play -play guy and Baroni is the color guy. And Baroni is a, a pretty bad person for a lot of things we don't need to get into. But I pulled three specific quotes from this fight that he is commentating on. Uh, and he's, he look he looks at Robbie Law and like, he looks like some kind of death machine out there, which is just the thing that he says on the broadcast, uh, after Robbie Lawler, um, gets, uh, gets hit low, he goes, if it was me, I'd go out there and I'd knee Spratt in the, in the groin right now, just thing. And then the other one is Joe Rogan is doing his job and is like, hey, this is when they were trying to do the like UFC.tv and you can score the fight at home. And Rogan like does the read to say you can score along with the fight at home. And Baroni goes, if you're scoring this fight at home, you've got problems. Just watch the fight, Internet geeks. It's like I can't believe they didn't let Phil Baroni be the color guy after this event. They just it's like, no, we're good. We're good with this. Uh, 
in my head, I totally forgot that that ever happened. And it was Baroni, Rogan, and I think Eddie Bravo was like the guy that they brought in occasionally. So what an insane moment in MMA history is really the point of that one. Next category. We're back to the really good ones for Robbie. It's the Randall Plex Award, the best single highlight of the career. And again, we could have done a Mount Rushmore on this one. There are so many. We were talking about it off air, Shaheen. You said that this was maybe your most difficult category. For me, this was actually incredibly easy. I have a number of, of honorable mentions, but I think one of them is the most obvious. Uh, and so I'm just going to lead off and say it because I think when you hear it, you'll say yes. It's not a fight. It's not a highlight. It's, it's as Steven said earlier, it's the stare down. It is him with the busted lip staring down Rory McDonald. If you knew nothing about Robbie Lawler and you, I just showed you that image, that clip, you would know everything about Robbie Lawler. To me, it is the definitive highlight of this man's career. And it is so incredible that in a career defined by knockouts and fight of the years and violence, the single best highlighter clip is him just looking at a dude, <laughs> like just looking through a dude and inviting it all. And to me, I think it, it runs away with this award. And we can talk about all the other ones because there are a lot of other dope things to talk about. But that one was it was one of the easiest picks for me. That's a great shout. That's a great shout. I mean, that that's you're correct. Like I, this was one of the hardest categories of any of these that we've done for anybody for me, just because there's so much like, what do you, how do you choose one? I don't know that Robbie has a signature yeah. violence highlight because there are just, there's an overwhelming number. I think you're right. I mean, you nailed it. It's, it's the stare down. That was my Twitter header banner for like my entire career until randomly earlier this year, Twitter decided it was too violent and like banned my account until I took it off. <laughs> wow. like that, spe okay. that speaks volume. That says everything. Like, it's just that you're right. What you said if you know nothing about Robbie and then you see that clip, you know everything about Robbie. You know everything about him. That's it's, it. Steven, you're, uh, you're nodding along. Are you in agreement? I mean, yeah. I, I mean, for me, I have no issue with that. I I, I assumed that the, these moments, like the stare down and stuff like that, would, that would occupy the majority of top picks. Like... Because it does so many things, it serves so many purposes. It's a highlight. It's a it's a it's a moment. It's a Rushmore. Um, but in watching all of these, you know, career highlights of his, I did come across a moment that I remember being incredibly tickled by in the moment, but had forgotten Ooh. about. And that's when he completely obliterates Matt Linland and then gently lays his feet on the canvas <laughs> as if settling a man's dead bones into a coffin before the nails go in. Like it was Such just a sweetheart. So, that Robbie Lawler. Dude's the nicest guy ever after he can. It was just you. so, it's just th such this insane clash of extreme brutality and violence and politeness. <laughs> I love that. I, I love that. love that. That's on my thing, uh, on my list of them. This is where I also had the Manhoof KO uh, was on my short list here, which we talked about. I mean, the out-of-nowhere nature there is just unbelievable. And we, uh, we, I, I think we should just, I just want to make it clear. He did this, he did the Matt Lindland and the Manhoof KOs both in 2010, uh, right? Yes, I am correct in that. They were both in 2010. I went back and looked at MMA fighting. We like weren't really doing KO of the year as an award in that way. It was just like, here's a list of the best ones. 
both of those are obviously in there. And frankly, I think that there's a very good argument that either of those could just be the knockout of the year in 2010. If we, they would both certainly be in the top five if we were doing lists like we did, like we do now at the time. Uh, and just unbelievable. I love both of those KOs so much. I also have my number one honorable mention though was, as you said, Shaheen, I mean, it's Frank Trigg. Um, yes. if, if there is one individual fight knockout or highlight, it is to me, that's Robbie Lawler. It's Frank Trigg because that, I mean, he Trigg's out. Trigg is out against the ropes before he slumps over. And then he does. And just the one little extra that's like, the it's uppercut. like the Hindo shot. It's like the Hindo yeah. punch on Bisping only it's, vertical and it is awful and incredible like if if you just if you have to pick a fight highlight that's the one fight highlight highlight for me and that's the the sneaky thing about that fight is like they are beyond exhausted before that oh yeah highlight like they're barely standing frank trigg especially so again I reiterate, we are all very lucky that Frank Trigg is still here with us today because that was the perfect circumstances for someone to actually die in in the ring in that situation because he's so exhausted and then gets such immense amounts of brain damage. That was actually my pick for the highlight until I I sort of defaulted back to like, well, it actually probably is Nico Price. And that was where I ended up. I mean, that's also, look, I'm never going to be upset about the Nico price because I'm probably going to watch that one as much or more than any other ones just in future years. Um, a couple of, Frank another Trigg, shout by the out, way, just, alive, not only alive, but also doing a great uh, co-star on Barry on uh, on the most recent season of Barry. Oh, I Frank Trigg not, was on the, I, I just marathoned through Barry. Frank Trigg was on that last season? Yeah, he was one of the heavies. And, oh, um, that's fun. That for like NoHo Hanks gang? Uh no. Um uh who God, my memory, but um yeah, he's 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 one he's a part of the heavies uh that is in that big house. They they take over that house. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. By the way, Barry Acting, tremendous show. Great show. I slept Sorry. on Barry Random its entire movie. life lifeline, except to, I caught it at the very, very end. 30-minute episodes, easy to breeze through, great show. Super <laughs> underrated. And on that good, note. <laughs> good, good to know. Uh, I will also throw a shout-out to the Joey Villasenor uh, KO. Robbie's, great one. I think, I'm pretty sure is one fight in pride. Um, flying knee, which is dope, and one of the fastest KOs of his career. Not like the purest thing that some of these other ones are, but again, there's just an embarrassment of riches when it comes to highlights from, from Robert Glenn Lawler. Next category. Now, uh, this one tougher for me is the Fedor sweater of absolute victory award. If you could have one piece of memorabilia from Robbie Lawler's career, what is it? And I'm going to go with a lame answer here. It's the same answer I gave for the Carlos Condit one. I just want a photo of the two of them hanging off the cage at the end of it. It is my favorite moment in the history of this sport. That image of them just, too exhausted to raise their hands and pretend that they are the winner to do anything other than just sit and their arms are on the cage and they are standing next to each other. Give me a signed photo of that and bury it in me with in my grave. When I go, that's, that's the only piece of memorabilia I need from Robbie's career. Nah, give me the lip. 
Give me his lip. <laughs> you just want his lip? I want his lip. <laughs> I want the lip that disassociated from his body. That's what I want. In a glass in like a glass cube that I can just look at. I'm I'm I, I second answer. that. I've got nothing better than that. That's amazing. I say, that's a great the lip Honestly, the or the stitches that held the lip together. <laughs> the lip is a great answer. I didn't even think of that. That's such a good answer. <laughs> Jesus. Next category, new one. Right leg hospital, left leg cemetery award. This is for the best quote from the fighter or about the fighter. Uh I've got two nominees. If you guys have more, please feel free. One of them uh, we sort of talked about this moment. It is the Nick Diaz rematch, and it's a quote from from Robbie, and it it really sums up a lot about Robbie that I love. Um, and it's him him going up to Nick after it, and you kind of laid the groundwork for this already, Stephen, of that being a, a tough fight that shouldn't have ever happened. And he just asked Nick after beating the brakes off him, "Are you good? Like in life?" And it's just like, it's a very quiet moment, not meant for the cameras or anything, just seeing if Nick is doing okay. And guy who he shares like some important history with and is a legend of the game. Like, Hey man, are you, why are you doing this? And are you going to be okay? Do you need some help? And I think that that is, that's the happiest, uh, and it's not happy, but that's like the best quote by or about Robbie. Uh, but I also have the second one which is certainly the one that I'm the happiest about. And it, it really resonates with me still to this day. And he's the champion and I, it's ahead of the Woodley fight and he's doing yes, some interviews. This is somewhere. the one. This is yeah. the one. I this mean, is, this, this is, is the one. We're all on this. Yes. We're yeah. all on this. Yeah. I okay. thought, honestly, I thought we'd all be in this one. He's doing yeah. an interview and somebody asked him about Conor McGregor. Lo- who's local news guy asked him about Conor yeah. McGregor. <laughs> yeah. Like, Hey, uh, and he's like, hey, do you want to work? Do you want to fight him? Whatever. Hold he's on. Like, I got the whole, I got the whole thing written you down the here. Whole exchange? You the actual- I just, I just yeah, have the, the moneymaker. So if you've got the whole exchange fire away, Tyron Woodley's sitting here this whole time. Too. Just sitting there. Uh, so, Robbie, obviously, or so you asked him about Connor having spouted off all this nonsense about winning the welterweight title. Robbie, obviously, that was a big fight. He's a big draw, but it wouldn't have been good for him. Then there's like silence. And then the reporter's like, oh, how so? And then Robbie, without missing a beat, because if I hurt him, I wasn't taking his neck. More silence. What were you going to take? His soul. Just yeah. fucking perfect. It was God, that's so good. It fucking was perfect. Good. And that's why I love Robbie it. Robbie teed it up and yeah. the guy fucking gave him what he needed. And then he just smashed that shit 600 fucking <laughs> yards like Shohei Otani. Like that was ridiculous how well that played. But the thing that I love is local news guy. Like, oh, yeah, what Isn't were you going to take from him? Like, so you know, just like. The local news guy, he's not a part of this world. Like, he doesn't know what the setups are. He's just sort of like doing his journalist journaly thing, you know? Hey, what, There's no where idea gonna, what's coming. What were you going to do with his soul? <laughs> or what were you going to do with God. it? Yeah. It was, yeah. It's, I knew that that would be the obvious one. I did want to give the shout out to the Nick Diaz because I think it, those show the two sides of Robbie Lawler just incredibly perfectly encapsulated of being the most violent man ever and also just like, just a sweetheart. It's just, and it's so understated. He's just so understated when he says it. It's just, it's barely so above weird. a whisper. He's looks dead serious in the eyes. Just the, the timing on it, setting it up with, that's not what I would take. 
for the guy to be like, oh, what would you take? Like all of it is just it's it's well it is perfect. well written from Robert Lawler, certainly. It's the most it's the coldest line drops in the history of interviews. Yeah, in yeah the it's like the one MMA, time he talks is. like he fights, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he's, he's you know, yeah, he's, that's his, a really good way to ruthless. put it. Yeah, because you know, because mo- one of the things I actually put in this section was, um, <laughs> when we talk about like Robbie Lawler quotes, there ain't much to work with. This is the complete right. opposite problem. This is not an embarrassment of riches. This is the guy who spent every single interview of his life saying he wasn't worried about things or he wasn't concerned about things. That's all he said. Like at a certain point, you know, having interviewed him a a bunch of times, I was thinking about kind of trolling him and just asking him entirely like what he was worried about because I thought maybe I'd break that, I'd break that pattern and he'd go somewhere different. But it's like, he grew up being interviewed by the MMA media. So like (laughs) that'll, that'll stunt anyone's verbal growth, you know? Um, and uh, incredible shot fired by Stephen Deffrey. It's not wrong. Uh, not yeah. wrong and, at all. Just and, incredible. And so, and so, he kind of like shuts things down with these, you know, this similar the, these tropes. These, you know, not worried, not concerned, not thinking about it. And in that one moment, uh, he actually, you know, fought like sounded cold, like he was like a killer. Like normally he's a really nice, unassuming guy, but in that moment he was exactly who he was in the in the cage. Yeah, that is a that's a really good way to frame it, and I had never considered that. Next, one category. Second, real oh. quick, one one last one just to add on because okay. to me the essence of it is pure Robbie. I want to shout out just because it's always held true. To, it has a place in my heart. the The post fight quote after the Royal McDonald uh, rematch, where Robbie the first question Joe asks him. About whatever I don't know. Did you prove yourself? Some I don't know what the question was, but he says with his split lip just wide open, spittle just like flying out of his mouth, fucking blood just everywhere is flying out of his mouth. I showed everyone that I'm a true fighter. I come to fight no matter what happens. I keep coming. I come to knock people out. And just the way he was, how fired up energy, he was, and just yeah. living in the moment, like that was that that always stuck with me. That's a good one. And I already said it earlier, but I love that I feel fucking great. <laughs> before that fifth round that would have been here but for the other one so next category and we're not going to stay long on this one because i'm probably going to remove this in future episodes just in general because i don't love the category uh international player haters ball we're going to nitpick the fighter but i left it here very specifically because i have one nitpick that just feels like i want it to be mentioned it's the back tattoo the unfinished back tattoo (laughs) that robbie lawler has if i have one issue at all with his career and you guys can talk all about the strike force run fine to let you cook in that regard the back tattoo that just peeks up over the shorts don't even know what it is that's if i could change one thing about robbie's career it would be that we would finish that or remove it but we wouldn't let it exist how it does steven sean what do you guys have here if you have anything that feels necessary to get out on the negative side of robbie lawler I mean, I think we've already kind of said it. I, I think that there were just times at which it feels like he wasn't really trying very hard. It, it, there are times at which he it was kind of like the sort of stubbornness that defined, like, in a way, like, you know, Nick Diaz's thing about always, you know, complaining about, or Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz complaining about being stuffed against the cage. We'll do something about it. And it felt like at times 
he just wasn't going to fight if he didn't get the fight that he wanted, you know, and he was going to allow himself to be smothered and ground out. I know that's not the case. I know he probably wanted to get up, um, but also it just felt like there were times at which it, it felt like he wasn't bringing all of his talents to the, to the cage. For and sure. when he did, I think that's a, a large reason why he had the results that he did because he does have takedown defense. He can keep fights on the feet. He can, he, he's a very well-rounded fighter. He just has lunch boxes for fists. So he is a guy that, um, you know, ha- was championship material from the beginning, but it, it just makes those other moments so much more disappointing because, mm-hmm you see him have all these amazing moments in his career. And then just so many that are just so lackluster and it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a shame. I think that that's very obvious and just a good critique of his career. And one that Robbie probably even would ultimately agree with, right? Like when he got fully engaged, that's sort of the defining trait of, of that late career run that became this thing was like, Oh, Look at him, Matt wrestling, like, and and not just getting ground out and doing all these things. So I'm with you. I understand. Shaheen, anything from you here? No, I mean, I just had the whole strike force run. And we've already talked about it at length, so we don't need to get into it. But it's just, again, if you would have been put a gun to my head and say, hey, man, you got to put your life savings on. Is this man going to be retired in the next five years or going to be UFC champion in the next five years? I would have gotten one win. I would have been Oh, Yeah. Would have been super wrong on that one. So I would have been right there with you. Been like, yeah, he's done. We're we're finished. He was like not that far off from where Kevin Lee is right now. And then he insanely turned it around to have the best run of his career. That's a great comparison. He wasn't like getting knocked out in the way that Kevin is, but that's a great comparison. Like, that's sort of where it felt like yeah, we were at. The age, it's all like very similar, very odd. Uh I mean, or like if Rory, if Rory right now was like, I unretire and now I'm going to put this great run together. Be insane. The TJ Grant alternate universe award. What's the biggest what if sliding doors moment of the career? I only have one for Robbie. um, And I'm not sure I even really care that much about it. But if I'm looking back to like with a what if for Robbie, it is. What if he hadn't sort of left the UFC? What if instead of, uh, you know, after the uh, the Evan Tanner loss, he moves up to middleweight, sort of then drops out. What does that look like if he's in the UFC in those, the UFC 60? I mean, frankly, in the UFC, right as the UFC becomes big, becomes a household name, because uh, 04 is when he exits. Ultimate Fighter is 05, and that's when it becomes a thing. And Robbie doesn't come back until, what did I say in that earlier? 2013 13 yeah yeah so like robbie is the hardcore fans delight during all of this time even while he's doing the strike force run but what if instead he's just sort of still a very young man at that point as the ufc is is becoming this thing what does that look like uh and how does he end up winning the title i have no idea how any of this works but that's sort of the one that i think to me had the most fertile ground for what ifs but uh what about y'all any any big thoughts here i'm a bit surprised actually to hear you say that because to me there's one very very obvious one okay i would have loved to 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 known seen seen it play out just the way we think about him i think would have been a little different i would have just loved to have the answer oh what if george st pierre doesn't retire oh that's a fun way okay dude george st pierre fights johnny hendrix on 
whatever mm-hmm. card that was. Uh, I'm gonna look. You can just it's cut probably out a lot sadder. We probably don't get the fun Robbie win no, no. if that happens. George St. Pierre fights Johnny Hendricks on UFC 167. That same card, Robbie Lawler defeats Rory McDonald to become the number one contender. Robbie Lawler was the number one contender when George St. Pierre retires. They're probably going to do the Hendricks rematch because that was such a robbery. That's one of the biggest robberies in the history of the sport. But like, if if GSP is just GSP and he beats Johnny Hendricks again. Robbie Lawler is the next in line. Like Robbie Lawler has the chance to be the guy to end this mythical era of George St. Pierre. Robbie Lawler, pure in his prime, just savagery, coming in there against George St. Pierre. I mean, George probably wins, but maybe not, man. Like we've seen Robbie at that point in his career go to the depths within like himself and reach places that we don't ever really see normal ordinary humans reach. Like maybe he would have pulled something out against George St. Pierre, especially a George St. Pierre who was kind of done with it, who's kind of just over the whole thing. Like maybe that's the transition of the guard that we would have seen. And I think we already could revere Robbie in the way we sort of see his career, but like that adds that extra oomph to make him, I think like an all timer. If he's the dude that beat GSP, like that opportunity was right there. If George just does another year, that's a very good one wasn't even on my list though that is in the next award for me gsp is one of the big fights but great i mean it's a great great shout what about you steven Uh, i put what if he knocks out tyron woodley at ufc 201 and he's the one having the confrontation with conor mcgregor at ufc 205 oh god that would be great what if he's actually taking conor mcgregor's soul yeah, I mean, it's I sort think of, a that's thousand percent. That's what ha- that fight happens if that's the world we're living in. That's because Tyron point. wasn't getting that fight, right? Because Tyron was never getting that fight. Exactly. So Robbie is a, is more of a company man. Maybe he gets that fight. Plus, I think you're saying I in mean, place of the Alvarez fight. No, post Alvarez. Uh, after Alvarez beats wins at two o five, or after Eddie after Connor beats Eddie at two o five. But then he would have always done the the Mayweather thing, right? I mean, well, the we're in a different thing, multiverse here. <laughs> like, also, say, I don't know. Say, like, yeah, because the Mayweather thing didn't have the heat yet. That didn't start really building until a few months later. So, if immediately Connor wins the lightweight belt, now the welterweight champion is at least a dude that Connor probably feels he has a better chance to beat than Tyron because Connor had a zero percent chance to beat Tyron. Frankly. Um, They've got some heat at the at the thing. Maybe the UFC just pushes that hard. Maybe the Mayweather thing doesn't happen until later because now he can be the first triple champ in UFC history, and then the Mayweather fight's even bigger. I could absolutely see that being a fight the UFC would have gotten behind in a much more way, real way than they did for Tyron. So yeah, I mean, that's a good that's one. Fair. I like that one a lot. That's a really good one. Uh The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're stepping all over on this one, so we'll roll right into the Habib Tony Award for fight that never happened, but you wanted to see. Shaheen, you have got uh, one of my two. I have an A and a B here um, that are equal levels. The GSP one, for all the reasons you mentioned, kind of what I I would love to see that have unfolded in that manner. Um, And it feels odd that they didn't, given sort of their timelines and their careers and what they meant. But... uh, the one that I want probably a little bit more, even though when with hindsight, probably wouldn't have delivered or been what we hoped for, the Condit rematch. I thought Robbie didn't deserve to win that fight. Um, I thought that they should run that fight immediately back again. I mean, certainly nowadays you see the UFC immediately striking on when the iron's hot for a fight of the years like this. They weren't super invested in Tyron Woodley getting a title shot either, so... Always was a bit odd that they didn't immediately run this one back, and that's. I wish that that had been the fight we had gotten at, at some point. If it hadn't been immediately, even if it was just later career, run that back. That that fight I wanted. I wanted more. I got twenty five minutes, and I wanted more. But uh, Stephen, what about you? What what other fights uh, did you wish you had seen? I'm actually going to go contrarian and say I do. I would have not wanted to see the GSP fight. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> because I think oh, GSP really? would have grinded him out, and it would have been a very boring fight. I think GSP see, would have come. GSP in his prime would have come very prepared for what L- Robbie Lawler had to offer at that point in his career and where he was at. And I think it wouldn't have. I mean, maybe later in his career, maybe in this point in this sweet spot where he had where where he's the champion, but um, it's not. First of all, first of all, you know what GSP is going to do during that fight, and it's not going to be very exciting. It's not going to be a Robbie Luller fight as we know it. It's going to be a lot of you know takedowns and and ground and pound, and it's going to be GSP is going to play that so freaking safe because he knows exactly what can happen to him. Um, So my choice was actually a prime GSP title shot era Tiago Alves like. Oh, before oh, that would have been good. That would have been good. That's a fight. Tiago Alves fought GSP and he was destroying everyone. He was just this wreck. I thought that would have been a really good fight. That's a really fun fight. That's a good fight. That's a really fun fight. I mean, I've I think seen- that they've had some damn good spars at the at the ATT mats back when when Robbie was there. I bet they were getting after it. That would be fun. Maybe I, I, think, I think I think Tiago was a little late in his career at that point, but yeah. I, I would I wouldn't be surprised. No, he was, but he didn't he. I mean, he I don't know still if he around. still is. He was he was coaching there for a while as a as a striking coach. So yeah, I assume that there was enough overlap between those two in that. Uh, anyway, great, great fight. That's a really still, good one. I, I still push one. back on the GSP thing because I I don't think you said you, I agree prime GSP. I don't think that's as fun of a fight. The GSP we would have gotten if that fight had happened is not prime GSP. That is exhausted GSP. That is mentally know. done GSP. That is GSP that just got the shit beaten out of him by Johnny oh, Hendricks. Okay. It was a yeah. better version or I mean, and Robbie was a better version of Johnny Hendricks at that point. 
Like I, interesting, yeah. I think that's a fascinating matchup between that stage of a GSP and Robbie really just coming into his ferocious prime because just the, the historical ramifications of if Robbie had come out there and been the dude who ends GSP like that, we talk about him on a vastly different level than it's we very different. at that point. I can see both arguments because I can also see GSP coming into a Robbie Lawler fight much more focused than Johnny Hendricks. No disrespect to Johnny Hendricks, but I mean, at that point, certainly looking back at the career, you're like, all right, GSP has been doing this for a while. Johnny Hendricks is sort of a new, he's in a new generation and it's, it's very tough to keep fighting new generation to talk about all the time, but I could see him looking at Robbie Lawler as a man of his generation because they were and being like, all right, I have to win this one because this one, I, I gotta, I can't let this guy who I grew up along with, beat me here I, i've got to get this one down i could see it both ways but shane do you have any other uh fights that that you would have liked to see from other than all the fights because obviously <laughs> you put robbie in with anybody it's going to be a good time but any other specific ones that jump out here no i mean the gsp one was my big one i love the alves shout that that alves is such a good i would have so never violent. thought and that would have been a damn been good one so good and also the the connor one just would have been real fun for for connor. me I would have really enjoyed that watching that. That's Connor would have been absolutely delightful. Uh, the Dan Henderson H bomb award. This is if you could take one piece of the fighter's game to to build a fighter or to add it to your own fighting game. If you could do such a thing, what would it be? I have one answer. I will accept others if you make a compelling argument. But we have danced around this. It has been mentioned in passing several times. I didn't realize this as I was looking at his career sort of big picture until I got into it. I don't know if he's the best at it in history and I don't need to have the argument, but there aren't a lot of dudes who throw a kill shot better than Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler's finishing coffin nail punches are, I believe you said Sheen in an excellent way to describe it. Look like he is trying to punch the devil himself in the center of the earth. Every one of his coffin nails Tiki Goshen, uh, Frank Trigg one, any of those follow-up shots are hellacious. That's all I need from, from Robbie's game. Take the rest of it. You can put it all down there, but whew, he knows how to bury, bury a man who's on the edge. I went, I went in the same route as you, maybe a different direction. I, I it said his savagery, just his meanness, just which is what that is, which That's is exactly it, yeah. what, you, what you were talking about. It's just... Give me that. If you can inject his savagery, the way he looks at this, the way he approaches this, just how mean that man can be, and you inject it into somebody like a, a GSP or somebody like you know any of these legends that we talk about, like what are we talking about then at that point? Like what does that even look like? Like that is superhuman levels of mean that that man can reach. That's a great answer, Stephen. Nothing to add. I mean, I think those are both. Both perfectly great answers. Um, I think what I had uh, is just natural power. It can't be taught. It's God-given. I mean, it can be improved on, but he, the guy just had God-given power. You know, he had yeah. some great, he had great genetics in a variety of areas, power and longevity. I think he was built differently. Uh, he was built to fight and built to fight for a long time. And he just got that gift, you know, that one hitter quitter, you know, and and one of the best at doing it. Well, speaking of built built can to fight, can you imagine? Can you imagine Demetrius Johnson 
with Robbie Lawler's savagery. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I think that's Davis, Davis and Figueredo, like as close as we no. can. Well, <laughs> it's I mean, more like, so. It's, yeah, I know. I get your idea. Yeah, yeah. It's just that would have been that would have been tough for a lot of people if you if you God. objected that into into <laughs> DJ. I don't think we, I don't think Joseph Benavides would be around anymore. Or I mean, John Jones with that level of of meanness, like oof, John Jones is pretty mean. John Jones is a pretty mean bastard. But he but he he became safe. You know exactly what I mean. I mean, like he definitely that still became safe. To but be young that guy. John Jones is I mean, is really mean. I say this a lot. I think meanness is the most underrated quality in a fighter. Like if you're looking at a top prospect, you if you find the dude who wants to hurt somebody, not because they're like broken inside, but like just who they are when the fight goes, like Ravi is. That's the real top prospect because you got to have that that edge to you. And I, John had it. John has maybe doesn't have it now, but definitely had it for a part. But you lead us right into the next category very well here, Stephen. When you say that man was built to fight, because I have no idea the answer for this one. The Cole Conrad Career Change Award. What would Robbie Lawler be doing if he weren't a fighter? Occasionally, I've had str- struggles here because some guys feel. It's just hard to piece them down. And Robbie Lawler, I think, is the most difficult one for me to imagine doing anything else because he started this when he was 17 or whatever and feels like him and Vanderlei Silva are maybe the two guys who the most feel like this is just who they were destined to be. If you took them back in time, they'd be wielding battle axes and you know doing that whole thing. So I don't have a good answer here. Do either of you have a an alternate career path for Robert Glenn Lawler? I'm so glad you you said what you said because I I felt like I was about to cop out by saying, dude, there's nothing, dude, there's no, no, really there's no actual answer. I've, I sat there and thought about this for an inordinately long amount of time, and it just I came up with nothing because genuinely he has as much of a fighter as has ever been born, like in the history of humanity. And I, yeah. I don't know what the fuck he would do if he wasn't doing this. Like the best I can come up with is just like, I don't know. Cause he's so mild mannered the rest of the time that like, he'd probably just be like an actuary or something like some just sell insurance. But even that just doesn't feel, I can't picture him behind a desk. Like it's just not, I can't compute it. Steven, Getting some TPS us. reports done yeah. while Sharon bugs him about his headings or something. Yeah. Come on. Man. Like I can't, I can't picture it. Steven save us. Well, my, my pedestrian answers are, uh, you know, a farmer or an operator of heavy machinery. That's you know, probably, he, that's okay. I can kind of see shout. him, I he, can see he, him working some heavy machinery. Guy grew up in, in Bettendorf, you know, I mean, that's probably the, the path that he walks. Uh, on uh, a more fun, not serious tip, I, I wrote Life Coach where he teaches people not to worry about things. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great answer. Because yeah, clearly he's got it. that down. He's clearly do, he's clearly not worried about the future or what worried about my what worried about. Uh, he's not worried about what could happen. He's not concerned about the future. He lives in the present. Those are very good skills for a life coach. It's what half of the, you know most most people who are trying to better themselves are trying to live more in the present. So Robbie Lawler's Robbie Lawler's your guy. That's a fantastic answer, Stephen. I love that answer. Perhaps a sleep specialist as well, you know? If you're, you're having trouble sleeping, you go to this man, he's going to help he you out. can absolutely put you down. Yes. <laughs> An anesthesiologist? Is that what we're thinking? Robbie yeah. Lawler, the anesthesiologist? Look, we need this guy out for 20 minutes to do his quick surgery. Can you help <laughs> us out, Robbie? I got this. Spink. <laughs> 
Just a couple of categories left now. The Sean Ferris Award for actor who should play them in a movie. I had a good one for this one. I feel feel very happy about this one. I was trying to think if I've used him before, and I'm not sure, but maybe I have. As I was scrolling through photos, I've settled on a young Billy Zane to be my Robbie Lawler. Think he That's think he can show. sort of match all of the look uh, and and has a little bit of. Uh, I mean, he's got depth, emotional depth to cover both sides of Robbie Lawler. But he's got. I think Billy Zane can have the menace when needed to be to have those specific moments in Lawler's career. Do you guys have anything for this one, John? I got nothing, man. Robbie's so unique. I think the Billy Zane shout. That's a good one. Uh, this is tough for me. I, I genuinely, I tried for a while to search for because he's got such a unique look too, right? Like he's tough to pull off. There's just not an actor yeah. who looks like a fighter in the way that Robbie looks like a fighter. Like yeah. you, you I, have, I could show you Robbie's photo at any point in his life and you would know. If I was like, what do you think this dude does? You'd have a pretty good idea. Yeah, you can see it. It's there. <laughs> I just pulled a photo of him. <laughs> Steven, I, I pulled one out of my, my butt anyways. It was, uh, it was a very, it's a very deep cut. Dante Basco in his 30s. Who is Dante Basco, you might ask? He is the guy. Yeah. Oh, that's call. Yeah. They share Filipino heritage. This is the best. He was in the perfect weapon. So he's got some martial arts street cred as far as I'm concerned. I was a big fan of perfect weapon. And, uh, is he not also like a martial artist? I feel like he is. He is. He he does do martial arts. I'm, I'm almost positive. He's a martial artist. I am extremely positive of that, but I can't confirm it. Oh, I love this. This is a really good one. Young Dante Basco never would have pulled this in a million years. It, what it took pull. considerable research, let me tell you. No, that <laughs> one is not such easy. A... It is not. It is not. It's not like, oh, yeah, you know, just just put in, uh, you know, uh, insert X, uh, X movie star. You know, it's the you Sean need somebody Ferris very Award specific. is always the hardest. <laughs> it's always oh, it a is. really totally. difficult one. And no, that's a great one. Uh, we have one final category before we close this down. It is the look at me now. Leon Edwards award for the best moment of, of their career. Um, and I think you can have a whole number of them here. Um, if for, for Robbie, Robbie Lawler's, I wouldn't be frankly mad about, about Nico price again, getting love here for me. Uh, I settled on, and I don't feel good about it. So you can talk me off this one into something else. I settled on Carlos Condit at UFC 195. That's the end of that terrific run for me said before, it's the best fight ever. And so if, if you win the best fight ever, um, I think that that just sort of has to be the, the peak of your career. And, that that's where I settled. But again, I don't feel great. I think there are a number of arguments to be made here. So Shaheen, make a compelling case. I mean, I had the exact I had the exact same logic, which led me to a different answer. If you win the best fight ever, it should probably be you winning the best fight ever. <laughs> so, you know, I had the Robbie Lawler rematch. Uh that to me, when I think back the Roy Rory's, McDonald rematch. Or yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. A lot of R's. R yeah. names in this one. Uh, that to me, when I look back on Robbie Lawler's career 20 years from now, that will feel like the biggest, that will feel like the apex. That will feel like when everything was at its sweet spot. 
just because that was such a big event. That was Connor's coronation. That's still in my mind, the greatest pay-per-view of all time. And it's the greatest fight of all time. And after that moment, it solidified a legacy element for Robbie that had not yet been there. Where like, sure, he won the title and everyone was really happy he won the title against Hendricks. The the McDonald one was was like, okay, like this is, you did it, Robbie. Like you really did it in a way that no one really thought you would ever do it. And so that to me, like that's always going to be the one that sticks with me the most. Uh, and then the, the condo almost felt like postscript in a weird way in my mind. So I, I the, the dessert to the main course. I can yeah. look. I I can buy that argument entirely. Stephen, um, you're nodding a lot. Are you are you with with Shaheen on this? Yeah, I put uh, 189. 189 is just such a significant seismic event in the history of things. It's hard to it's hard to give any other answer. To me, that was another one that I uh, I, I just thought the people talk about 290 being the best. Uh, I think there's a lot of recency bias recency bias with that. Oh, to me, sure. 189 supersedes that. The because you had Connor, you know, bringing this whole legion of fans. That was his first pay per view headliner. The finishes on the main car, they were all better. Like they were pound for pound better. Um, And then just that fight being the co-main event. I mean, it was just a a fantastic night. And probably one of the nights that got them there to that 4.02 billion valuation. You know, that's one of those nights where it really put a lot of money in 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 the coffers and helped them by the super yachts that they're riding right now. So, uh, yeah, that event, I love the enjoyment in your voice as you say those, <laughs> so, that sentence. It's just a deep sigh just, halfway through. If you're yeah. picking one event, I think that is definitely the event that gets the $4 billion valuation is yeah. just that one. So I, okay. Again, I can't argue with you guys on this and we're coming up on the two hour mark. We're going to somehow get this done in under two, which is a, a testament to ourselves, frankly, because could have done this forever but we're here we're ready to close it down we're here to talk legacy the final category as it were let's put a bow on robbie lawler's career anything that yet you have to get off your chest that, that we didn't talk about previously speak now or wait for you know a year and a half when we do the re lawler so steven let's start with you what does robbie lawler mean to you what's the legacy oh of man robbie lawler? what does he mean to me i mean he is guaranteed entertainment. Um, he's one of those rare feel-good stories in the fight game, and obviously that got sealed even more um, with uh, what happened at 290. But um, even before that, I think he was kind of in that category to me. Bisbing, Tate, the people who have really been down in the trenches and been the OGs of this sport, finally getting the shine that they deserve in the, on the biggest stage possible. Um, that's part of Robbie's legacy to me. And, and the, the retirement is just sort of a cherry on top. I put in my notes, uh, when Hodor becomes a human at game of Thrones, like suddenly he's revealed this big oaf is revealed as a human being with emotions. And we celebrate it as he walks away forever. Um, just, just great stuff. Um, and yeah, he's the guy who, who, you know, who, uh, who just, uh, is, is the living embodiment of, uh, a a tough guy basically. 
I I love the Hodor analogy. Gotta be honest, <laughs> didn't see that one coming. Did not of, see. Did not have that people. on my bingo card. So, fits. I, it fits. Up. I love I like that. It. I love any time that uh, something out of out of the ordinary happens. And Stephen, you brought some heat today with with several things that I never would have thought. Shaheen, what about you? Let's close down Robbie Lawler. I mean, I don't want to repeat myself um, on things, various things I've said on this show and other shows that we've done over the last two weeks. So I'll keep mine short and simple. I mean, to me, he is the last of the Mohicans, right? He walked out to that song for his retirement song. Fantastic choice, by the Tremendous. way. Tremendous. Yeah. Dude has always low-key been like just a banger after banger chooser of walkout music. Hold on, I'm coming was so good for that title run. But to walk out to the last of the Mohicans theme for that retirement fight felt incredibly fitting and that's who that man that this man was right like he is someone who represents in time and an era and a place that is never coming back that was singular unto itself and that if you were you were there for part of it you will never forget it and that to me is like always what will make these type of figures that we do the show about in this sport in particular just so special is because you can't say that about basketball for instance i love basketball phoenix suns are my life but i have no connection to the phoenix suns that feels similar to the way i feel about some of these older fighters the guys who are around for the no holds bars day the bettendorf boys all of the 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 lore and the legacy of this sport still in its infancy and the people who helped make it to where it is today to where now as steven said the super yachts are are having a great time out there on the oceans like that this is just none of this would be possible without robbie lawler um he is a legend unto himself he is one of one won't go into it more than that most violent guy i've ever seen pure fighter through and through and, and someone who's very special to to me and my fandom for me i've thought a lot about kind of how to close this podcast down over the past week and i sort of settled that something you kind of alluded to at the very top of this and it's we've talked a ton about what Robbie means and all that stuff. Um, we don't have to rehash any of that, but I didn't anticipate this retirement sort of registering in the same way with me that it has. And in the way that Robbie Lawler is kind of making me reevaluate some real fundamental beliefs I have about fist fighting in that I said it immediately after 290 and I keep keep thinking about it now because I don't have the answers, but what does it mean to be great in this sport in particular? Because in other sports, they're sports, but this is, this is entertainment. It, they are intrinsically tied together as, as part and parcel of the same thing. It's not purely an athletic endeavor here. And I don't think anybody is going to say that Robbie Lawler is one of the 10 best fighters of all time. And I understand that. And I'm not even saying that that's wrong, but as I, I look at his career and I think in a really simplistic way, are there 10 other careers I'd rather have than Rob? Like if I got to be a fighter, are there 10 fighters I would rather be than Robbie Lawler? Are there five fighters who have given me more than Robbie Lawler in his career? Alexander Volkanovsky is a great fighter, arguably the best ever. Like I'm not like John Jones, great fighter, arguably the best ever. When they inevitably do leave this sport, I'll have some feelings about it. I'll, I'll think about it. It will be a moment. It is not going to be 290. It is, it's just not. like Even if they go out in the best way, it is not going to register and resonate in a way that 
really is meaningful, like you were saying, Sean, like, and that's, what is that worth in the context of greatness? I, I honestly don't know. And I've been grappling with it for the past week since then to be like, what can you say? Like, what more could he have done? Winning isn't, isn't everything. We say it all the time. It's certainly not the only thing that matters. And what is, does matter, what Robbie gave us, what he gave me, maybe not to everybody else, is a lifetime of incredible moments. He is universally beloved, and I don't think we can say that enough. Like To come out of this sport with, with all that it entails, to, nobody has a bad thing to say about you. Everybody is thrilled about this triumphant exit and just everything. It's, it's really hard for me to sort of understand where he where he fits in the scheme of the fight fight game largely because I think he probably should be viewed even higher than he is because of how much everyone loves him and what he gave. And so, look, I, I don't know if he's the best fighter ever. I don't really know any of these thoughts out. All I do know is that he gave to me as much as anybody else has ever given in this sport. I will remember his highs and his lows fondly. I will revisit his catalog as much as anybody I ever have. And at the end of the day, he gave us two of the best moments in history in his winning the title and his retirement. Like those are feel good moments in a sport that doesn't have them. So maybe you're not the best fighter ever. And I hate the term legend because I largely think it's like trite and overused, but there's ever a motherfucker who deserves to be called a legend in this game. It's Robbie Lawler. And the only thing I can say is the same thing I end all these episodes, but damn, you, you were good, Robbie, and I, I will greatly miss you. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode of Damn in the Books. Just just under two hours, and it was We fun. did it, boys. We did, we it. did it. I'm so proud of us. I mean, it was actually like five hours in Three all hours. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was two hours in actual recording and listening. Um, I look forward to the re-Lawler. When we do our first re, it will be Robbie Lawler whenever that happens. Shaheen, Steven, thank you for coming on this journey and the the long work it took to get done. I am very happy we did it. I'm happy y'all were here for it. Uh, Until next time, I love y'all. See you then. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. 
This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the US, so make sure you don't miss it.